Hello, all. It's me, Michael Anthony Judas. Welcome to All Things Billy. Glad you could join me today whenever today is for you. My voice is extra deep today because I played a, a little show, played some music, just me and my guitar uh, at Tractor Brewing West in Albuquerque last night. And uh, every time <laughs> I haven't played and sang in a while, and so uh, it does beat my voice up. So if I sound a little gravelly, that's the reason. Um, if you're in and around New Mexico, and it's <laughs> this is uh, March 6, 2022, come on out on March 12th in Rio Rancho to the 101 Beer and Cider Lab, and I'll do it all over again. And uh, that's what she said. So, uh, <laughs> hey, today I want to talk about uh, something that's uh, kind of near and dear to my inquisitive mind, and that is, what exactly did Lou Wallace promise? to Billy Bonnie. And uh, we're going to talk about the supposed or presumed pardon um, and uh, where that promise was made, etc. But before we get to that, I want to touch on uh, two things that uh, I think it was two things <laughs> that I'm really thrilled about. Well, the one thing for sure is I just got done last night before I left for my show watching the final essentially the final edit of the final trial of Billy the Kid. And uh, gosh, it was, I, I'm just so excited. I've watched it now three times in three days because of working with the editor. Let's go back. We'll tweak this. And uh, in each time, I, I, I really enjoyed it, which is kind of self-serving to say about your own project. But, you know, other stuff I do, I see it once and I go, okay, that, that's it. I don't, I don't need to see it again. But I really enjoyed watching this thing. The performances were just so great. Um, and uh, I'll tell you after the film is released, uh, how long it took us to film, what the budget was, all those things. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you that now. But it really, really is uh, is an engaging film. If you're, if you're into courtroom drama, if you're into Billy the Kid, um, if you're into Brushy Bill or John Miller, I really, really think you're going to enjoy it. And uh, the, uh, we also filmed a sequence or a few sequences of that night in Fort Sumner. And so it's called, uh, it would be called a Rashomon, which is from a, I think it was a Japanese film years and years ago. Um, but essentially that's one story told from many viewpoints. And because we have that, we have Miller's story, we have Brushy's story, we have Garrett's story, right? Um, and so uh, my son... Samuel Michael Judasissi got to play Billy the Kid in those sequences. And you'll see them at four separate times during the film, depending upon whose story is being told, uh, you know, what's what's being emphasized as somebody's, you know, on the witness stand. Um, and uh, it really just, it just, gosh, I'm so happy with it. Um, right now we're doing just a little final audio tune-up. And I guess the other news is uh, because it's done so early, Although there's still some work to do creating the uh, the artwork for the film, movie poster, etc., getting the trailer out, uh, because that's all uh, still yet to do. Uh, but I we're going to move the release date up. I, it was going to be released on July 14th because the trial essentially focuses on the events of July 14th, 1881. But we're going to move it up probably to late April. I'll have an announcement about that in the next two to three weeks. Uh, this week, 
the week of March 6th, 7th, uh, we'll have the uh, first trailer from the film that will uh, that will be released, uh, which I'm just thrilled to show you just some of the great performances. Gosh, it was really, really was good. I uh, God, see, yeah, sorry to gush about it, but I, I really think that Billy the Kid fans or just people who like a good courtroom drama are are really going to enjoy it. And, uh, and it's lively. It's not dry. It's not just standing there and talking and, you know, those kind of things. There's some, there's some action in there. So uh, stay tuned for the trailer. You can find that on my YouTube channel, Michael Anthony Judicici. You can find it on Facebook on the, uh, on the, the film page, the final trial of Billy the Kid, or just connect with me on social media and it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be everywhere. How's that? Uh, so that was really one thing. And I was so excited to tell you a second thing, but I, I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember, honestly. So uh, so if I think of it, I'll tell you. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Governor Lou Wallace and Billy Bonney. We're going to talk about what actually was promised and and clearly what was never, ever delivered to one William H. Bonney. We'll be right back. And we're back with Governor Lou Wallace. Oh, hello. <laughs> that was my Lou Wallace impersonation. Hello, how are you? I imagine him stroking that beard of his. But uh, anyway, um, so the reason that I'm uh, kind of fascinated with this is uh, I, I always love to study kind of human behavior and especially communication. And it seems that there was such a discrepancy between what Billy thought he was going to get from the governor and what Wallace promised and ultimately never delivered anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, but this all started when Wallace goes to Lincoln and uh, he, uh, you know, makes a bunch of changes. He delivers a general uh, amnesty uh, for anyone not under indictment from the Lincoln County War. Um, and now he's looking to quell the violence and he's looking to get uh, Dolan and Jesse Evans because they've killed Houston Chapman, the one-armed, Susan McSween's one-armed lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. Billy sees an opportunity. He says, hey, the governor needs some help here. And I need some help too, quite frankly, because I am under indictment for the murder of Brady and, and Buckshot Roberts, by the way. Um, or I've been charged. Yeah, I guess I've been indicted with those crimes. So on... March 13th, 1879, Billy writes a letter from San Patricio and sends it by bearer to the governor. And essentially it says, I was there when Chapman was murdered and I know who did it. If it was arranged that I could appear at court, I could give the desired information, but I have indictments against me for things that happened in the late Lincoln County War and I'm afraid to give up because my enemies would kill me. Now here's the key thing. If it is in your power to annul those indictments. I hope you will do so as to give me a chance to explain. If it is in your power to annul those indictments. So Billy doesn't mention a pardon there. And I don't know if he's getting legal advice or if Billy even wrote the letter, but you can only be pardoned for a crime you've been convicted of. Billy has not been convicted at this point of any crime. He's only been indicted. He has not stood trial on them. And so a pardon would be uh, useless because 
it can only wipe away a conviction and one that hasn't happened yet. Now, later on, at some point, the idea of a pardon becomes uh, palatable to Billy because he's captured, obviously, and is going to stand trial. But at this point, he's only looking to annul the indictments. Now, uh, Wallace writes back uh, a letter and sends it uh, back two days later on the 15th, March 15, 1879. Come to the house of old Squire Wilson at nine o'clock next Monday night alone. Okay, tells Billy which way, you know, the path to take and to even which door to knock on. Knock on the east door of Wilson's Jacal. I think that's, I think, yeah, I think that's the way you'd pronounce it. J-A-C-A-L. I'm trying to remember. Uh, J is H. Yeah, Hakal maybe. Yeah, in Spanish. Um, and there's two things that Billy had asked for. Immunity from prosecution. Well, that's not what Billy asked for. He asked for the, the. Uh, I guess it's kind of the same. He asked for his, his uh, charges to be annulled and some sort of protection because he knows he made a deal with Evans, Dolan, and their gang that they, they entered into this agreement and said, hey, if one of us is going to testify against the other, you have to formally withdraw from this agreement so we know what's going on. And Billy did not keep his word there at all. Here's what Wallace says. I have the authority to exempt you from prosecution if you will testify to what you say you know. I have the authority to exempt you from prosecution, okay? Um, the object of the meeting at Squire Wilson's is to arrange the matter in a way to make your life safe. To do so, to do that, the utmost secrecy is to be used. So come alone. Don't tell anybody, not a living soul, where you are coming or the object. If you could trust Jesse Evans, you can trust me. And two days later on March 17, Billy at nine o'clock knocks on the door and meets Governor Wallace. All right. Pretty simple. Billy wants his charges removed. Wallace says he could exempt him from prosecution. That's, that is really a little different. It doesn't mean the charges would be removed. It just means you won't be prosecuted for them. Uh, maybe a fine point, but Billy wants a clean record. And what Wallace says is, I can just make sure you're not prosecuted for your crime. So I, I, there's maybe a little uh, miscommunication uh, there, but anyway. But no mention of a pardon, because at this point, there would be no reason for a pardon. Okay? So there's a deal struck uh, without going into the whole history. You know, Billy is, uh, you know, under the staged arrest and, uh, uh, you know, he's kept in Lincoln, uh, Folliard's there, Doc Skurlock, and uh, I'm hearing my dog bark. I don't know what the heck he's barking about, but uh, that all happens, but nothing Billy does testify and provides the required evidence. Um, but the governor doesn't do anything to stop his prosecution. Well, why? Well, we don't know. You can look back on it <clears throat> if you're Wallace or if you're a, uh, a Lou Wallace fan. I don't know how many of those there are. But you can look back on it and go, well, you know, Billy walked out of jail in Lincoln. 
felt like he was being betrayed and really went back to rustling horses and cattle and, you know, put some pressure on Wallace to, you know, to do something for somebody that was still committing crimes. You would think that if you wanted to be exonerated of your previous crimes, you wouldn't keep committing new ones. Now, I know, I know you're all going, well, he had no choice. He had, that's, he had to make a living. And it was the Santa Fe ring. It was blah, 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 all that. I get it. I'm, I'm not disputing that. All I'm saying is it put Wallace in a tough position when this kid is still going out with a, with a small gang of, uh, you know, rustlers and he's, and he's continuing to commit crimes pretty openly and pretty brazenly stealing horses, stealing cattle. And, uh, they, you know, they drive them over to, uh, Tascosa and sell them and then come back, get some more. I, I mean, it's pretty tough for the governor to save face in that situation. So we don't really know what was offered in the meeting. We don't have any idea what was talked about. We can guess, but we weren't there. There was no video camera running. There was no stenographer taking or court reporter taking notes. All we have is the recollections really of the people Squire Wilson, Billy, and Governor Wallace that were that were there. And it would be great. Gosh, wouldn't it be fabulous? I think that might be the one thing I'd want to go back to is to uh, have that, to be able to sit in that meeting and just see, like, how did Billy handle himself? Was, you know, was the governor stroking his beard? That's what she said. Um, you know, was Squire Wilson uh, getting a piece of cake with the sweet frost, Pendleton? <laughs> I, I just would love to, to hear that discussion and see what was agreed to and see how Billy handled himself. And, and again, with, with Drew uh, Gombers, the, the information he talked about when I interviewed him, now we might be looking at a, at a kid in 1879 who's uh, maybe only 16, 17 years old. Maybe he's not even, uh, you know, the, the 19 or 20 that we thought he might be. So um, does he stand up to uh, this, you know, this powerful politician? But it doesn't, the whole thing falls apart, clearly. And when it does, the uh, what happens is that, uh, you know, Billy continues his life of crime. Uh, Wilson, uh, not Wilson, I'm sorry, uh, Governor Wallace at some point resigns. He's going to be named to the post of the, the ambassador to the Sultan of Constantinople, if I remember correctly. And, you know, very kind of romantic post for him. And so he, on his way out, literally on his way out of New Mexico, he puts a $500 bounty on Billy's head. And that's in 1880. And, uh, and then he's gone. And then acting governor rich takes over R I T C H acting governor rich. So Billy then is captured at stinking Springs. He's, uh, th this is before governor uh, Wallace leaves, obviously. He's captured at Stinking Springs. He is transported to Santa Fe, and then he begins to write letters to the governor. And he's wanting the help that he says he was promised. We'll get into that right after this. So Billy's in jail in Santa Fe, and really with very few options. He's uh, 
looking for uh, Edgar Capeless, who was Rudabaugh's attorney, to sell his horse, get the money, and send it to him so he can hire an attorney. Uh, but of course, that's, you know, Capeless wants a retainer in order to, you know, get, get the title to his horse and sell it, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Billy's running out of time. So he writes to Wallace, I've got to imagine it's a bitter taste in Billy's mouth at this point to have to write this letter or this note because he's already determined Wallace has abandoned him. And now you've got to kind of grovel to the guy while you're in jail and he's you know sitting a few blocks away sipping tea with his pinky in the air. And he writes, I wish you would come down to the jail to see me. It will be to your interest to come and see me. I have some letters which date back two years and there are parties who are very anxious to get them, but I shall not dispose of them until I see you. That is, if you come immediately. Now, I've heard people uh, say, oh no, that's not the the letters that um, that Wallace sent to the kid and said he could exempt him from prosecution. That's some other letters that we don't know what they are. No, that's bullshit. We know exactly what the letter, it's one letter. We know exactly what it is because Wallace said so in an interview later on, which we'll get to. That's uh, on March 2nd, 1880. Billy writes that letter and uh, he gets no response. Okay. So a couple days later, March 4th, he writes again. I wrote you a little note the day before yesterday, but I've received no answer. I expect you've forgotten what you promised me this month two years ago, but I have not. And I think you ought to have come and seen me as I requested you to. I have done everything that I promised you I would, and you have done nothing you that you promised me. I think when you think the matter over, you will come down and see me, and I can explain everything to you. I have done everything that I promised you I would, and you have done nothing that you promised me. And you know what? That's true. Now, Billy didn't throw in the fact that not only did I do what I promised you, but I also continued committing crimes. But that's an aside. He continues, Judge Leonard passed through here on his way east in January and promised to come and see me on his way back, but did not fulfill his promise. It looks like I am getting left in the cold. I am not treated right by Sherman. He lets every stranger that comes in to see me, uh, to see me through curiosity. Sorry. He lets every stranger that comes to see me through curiosity in to see me, but will not let a single one of my friends in, not even an attorney. I guess they mean to send me up without giving me any show, but they will have a nice time doing it. I am not entirely without friends. I shall expect to see you sometime today. Now, Wallace got the letters. They're in his papers, you know, after in his uh, collection, the originals of those letters are there. So absolutely he got them. I would assume not only did he get them, but he read them. Um, And uh, so what happened? Not much. Uh, Billy did write uh, again on March 27th. And he made it uh, very clear. For the last time I asked, will you keep your promise? I start below tomorrow. Send answer by bearer. That's got to be a crappy feeling. I mean, yeah, I think Billy was probably mature beyond his years. But that's got to be a pretty bad feeling being uh, 
you know, shipped off to trial for a crime he absolutely committed. Don't, don't get me wrong. But also a crime which Wallace at least insinuated, at least insinuated that he could exempt Billy from being prosecuted. I don't know if Wallace was a genius or just dumb luck, dumb lucky. If he was a genius, he never put in writing anywhere that he was actually going to pardon the kid or he was going to exempt him from prosecution. He never said that. He said, I have the authority to do it. That's like me saying, I have the authority to go open my front door. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Or maybe Wallace was just dumb lucky and you know didn't write something the way that he might have written it otherwise. And so... Yeah, you know, history now judges, you know, that that uh, Billy expected something that maybe never was promised to him. So this is where we get into the uh, infamous letter, because Billy just said, I have letters dating back two years, which certain parties would like to, you know, get their hands on. And we know it's the letter that Wallace wrote to the kid telling him to come to Squire Wilson's. So now we're in a key part of this uh, letter writing campaign. And Billy writes to Wallace, as we said, I have these letters. In the Indianapolis World newspaper, June 8th, 1902, Wallace is being interviewed. And he says of that letter from the kid while in jail, he says, I knew what he meant. He referred to the note he received from me and in response to which he appeared at the hut on the Mesa. He was threatening to publish it if I refused to see him. I thwarted his purpose by giving a copy of the letter and a narrative of the circumstances connected with it to the paper published in the town. It was duly printed and upon its appearance, a copy was sent to Billy in his cell he had nothing further to say. Let's pick that apart because there's a couple of telling things in there. Okay. I knew what he meant. He referred to the note he received from me. He was threatening to publish it. So I gave a copy of the letter, a copy of the letter. Okay. And the narrative, the circumstances connected with it. The original letter, obviously Billy had, or somebody connected to Billy had, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but the, but the original one in Wallace's handwriting, Billy had that letter because he was threatening to, to publish it, to give it to, you know, the newspapers and, and, you know, have them say, Hey, look, Lou Wallace is a backstabbing liar. And that original has never been found. If you have it, please, please call me send up a smoke signal, something. It's never been found. It's odd to me that Billy did not have his attorney submit that as evidence into, uh, into his trial down in Messiah. And who would have had it? We've talked about this, right? This is one of the great missing pieces. Uh, but it's interesting that Wallace says, I gave a copy. I mean, he did give a copy. And but where is the original? In other words, did Wallace make a copy while in Lincoln of that letter and keep it in his papers? Because it's in there. 
Or did Wallace not make a copy? Did he, from memory, write something, uh, you know, at a later point that fit the exact narrative of what he wanted and then give a copy of that to the newspaper, which would be the Santa Fe, New Mexican, most likely. But the archives from that time period burned up in a fire. So those newspapers, there's no record of what was in the New Mexican. That would be wonderful to see if Wallace actually did it. This was 20 years later. And so there's a very real possibility that he just made that up. But again, the technology to make a copy in those days would be with a letter press, which is a very heavy 100 to 150 pound, um, you know, steel, uh, cast iron type thing where you would take the letter and then the specially treated paper and you put it that over and then you'd crank this wheel down and squeeze it. And you can tell that the letter that is in Wallace's papers um, either is a copy or was copied because you can see kind of the reddish brownish border around it where the letter press uh, you know, the edges of the letterpress were. But it does call into question, since there seemed to be such a disparity between what Wallace has in that letter and what Billy expected. Did Wallace travel with a letterpress? I've talked to a couple people who are, you know, from that time, know that time period and, uh, you know, printing and those kind of things. And they said it would be pretty rare that you would travel such a long distance with a letterpress. Again, was there one in Lincoln? I don't know. I don't know who would have a letterpress there. Maybe. But it's not the kind of thing that you toss on your wagon. That sounds really weird. Hey, I'm going to toss this on my wagon. Anyway, that you would toss on your wagon and then go traveling with. But maybe if you're the governor, you do. But think about this. If not, if Wallace did not have access to a letterpress in remote little Lincoln in the middle of that mountain valley, then there's only two things that could happen. One is he wrote the letter to Billy and then he wrote another copy exactly the same and kept it. Or he wrote the letter to Billy and sent it to him. And then when Billy was threatening to publish the letter in 1881, he uh, Wallace uh, simply wrote one from memory and probably wrote it to make himself look better. You all do that. I do it. You tell stories. You always tell, you know, yeah, make myself look a little better here. You know, no, I didn't cheat on that test in school. No, I mean, I looked over at that person's paper, but I couldn't see anything. So I just did it on my own. So did Wallace write exempt you from prosecution in 1881 or did he write it in 1879? Wallace would never have admitted that he didn't copy it, but gosh, something, it just seems so strange that we don't really have that answer. And of course, the original letter has never, ever been found, despite the fact that Billy claims to have had it. Now, um, there's uh, in, in a search of the archives of all Santa Fe newspapers from that time, there's never been any uh, record of Wallace having that letter published, but you cannot study the archives from the New Mexican because again, they burned up in a fire. And Wallace also states that uh, I had the paper sent to Billy in his cell and he had nothing further to say. But of course, that's not true at all. He had plenty more to say. 
So maybe Wallace has romanticized this a little bit, but this is June 8th, 1902, Indianapolis World, uh, Governor Wallace. So what do you think happened? There's, uh, I always ask guests, hey, is there still a great undiscovered thing out there somewhere? And uh, everybody seems to say, yeah, there's, you know, there's something. I mean, it, maybe it's DNA evidence or what, whatever, but, but this is a, this would be a great discovery. Ira Leonard was the kid's lawyer uh, for his uh, uh, federal trial on the federal charge of killing Buckshot Roberts. And uh, Leonard was able to get that charge thrown out because uh, a jurisdiction, the, uh, it was not federal land. So the charge was just improperly filed. We've, again, we've talked about this. Uh, and then again, now the, the territorial charge of killing Brady and the kid's going to, uh, he's going to, you know, face, tr uh, go on trial for that. And, uh, in that, I think it's Albert J. Fountain that uh, represents him. Leonard steps out. And, and again, that letter from the governor is not included is not submitted as evidence. Uh, Leonard, Ira Leonard uh, retired in Socorro, New Mexico. And I don't know that there's a uh, repository of his papers. And I can't imagine, I mean, he was generally a well-respected lawyer, that if he had something like that, that he would not have offered it to the court as evidence. But maybe Here's, here's a, here's a maybe it just struck me. Leonard has it. Billy gave it to him or Billy got it to him and Leonard gets the charge dismissed. And of course he has to be recused. So, uh, Billy is going to get a new lawyer for his next trial and maybe Leonard just keeps it with him. Is that possible? Like, was there a meeting between Fountain and Billy in his cell that night and going, Hey, where's the letter? And uh, Billy goes, Oh well, shit. I gave it to Ira Leonard. Uh, he goes, Ira Leonard, I saw him riding out of town two hours ago. We can't catch him now. Oh, crap. Well, we'll have to go with another strategy. Right? Is that possible? So if anyone has access to Ira Leonard's uh, uh, papers, documents, that would be one place to look because it sure hasn't been found anywhere else. And I don't know this, but my suspicion is that if we found that letter, that original, it would be a little different than the one that's in Wallace's collection. That exemption from prosecution, probably not going to be there. I think, I think what Wallace may have offered was probably more substantial than that, either in writing or at their meeting. Wallace never wrote down a written account of his uh, meeting. He told people about it. So now you're saying, well, the governor told me and I'm telling you, well, that's hearsay and that doesn't count. That doesn't work as far as evidence goes. But it would be fascinating to know what they talked about. And it really would be fascinating to know where that original of the letter is. And we, and we again, have talked to who might have had it. Garrett didn't have it. It wasn't in Billy's possessions that were, you know, his guns or whatever was taken from him. And if he had it, even if Billy had it, you know, he's got it in his pocket. Don't you get in front of Judge Bristol and go, hey, hey, f forget this trial. Look what the governor said he was going to do for me. Get him down here to testify. 
I don't think Billy just sits there mutely and doesn't do a thing. I mean, that's your, that's, it's such a Hail Mary and lifeline that you are willing to essentially threaten, <laughs> threaten the governor of New Mexico with having it published. And then when nothing happens, you don't do anything with it. Why would you not have it published? Unless, bum, bum, bum. What if Billy did have it published? We don't have records from the Santa Fe New Mexican. What if Billy did send it to the New Mexican? What if it was published? Incredible. What if side by side, the New Mexican said, well, the governor gave us this letter, copy of the letter and these circumstances, and here's the one that came from Billy, and holy crap, they're different. We're going to put a couple copies of this newspaper in our archive so future generations can know all about this, and then, you know, 10 years later, a fire sweeps through the building and it's all gone. Could it be? Could it possibly be that Billy played his trump card and it didn't work? Gosh, we're never going to know. Unless, rather than finding that letter, somebody finds a copy of the Santa Fe New Mexican from March, whatever, 15th, 18th, somewhere around there, 1880, and goes, oh my God, look at this letter to the editor from Billy the Kid. Then we'd know. Then we'd know. But of course, as noted, Wallace did nothing to help the kid. Really did the absolute bare minimum. Made sure he got an attorney, but that was pretty much it. And then he left. Left the territory. And on it goes. These are the things that fascinate me in my <laughs> my juvenile mind. I want to find that letter or I want to find a copy of the New Mexican or whatever paper that it was published in if it was actually done. And I would imagine that if by now, with all the access we have to newspaper archives that are online, if Billy had sent it to some other paper, whatever those uh, Santa Fe newspapers would be, that somebody would have found it if the archives exist. No one has. The original would be fascinating because it might be the exact same thing. And then we go, oh, look at that. Wallace was pretty smart or he was dumb lucky. Or we might go, that son of a bitch. Look at that. He changed it. He made his own copy of the letter two years later and he changed it to make himself look good and to make it look like he did not promise the kid anything. <sighs> oh, well. I guess we're not going to know. We'll be right back. Uh, so fascinated by, you know, what the dialogue could have been between those two guys that I wrote it into the fourth book in my Back to Billy series. If you've always wanted to know what would happen if Billy 
had met with Wallace one more time face to face, um, <laughs> I I imagined that into the book Bonnie and Teebs The Lost Years. And it is book number four. And it really is the, the kind of, a, a, I don't know, boomerang book where the story's over and then all of a sudden it's not. But all I can tell, all I will tell you is that it does definitely have a meeting where Billy travels to confront Wallace about this situation between them. And it doesn't really end the way either of them probably would want. And I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't read the book and you should. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so, uh, if you, uh, if you're interested in reading the book and all of you are <laughs> subliminal advertising, just go to, uh, mankindpropro.com and you can order it right there. I have just, I don't know, just a small number of those left. Otherwise they'll have to be ordered, you know, uh, kind of print on demand from the print house, but I'll sign it for you and send it along. And, uh, this fills in a big 30 year gap in Martin Teeb's life up until he, well, up until something happens to him. I won't even spoil that for you. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was really fun to write those chapters where Billy's contemplating it. And then he's finding a way because, because this book is based on a guy who time travels and Billy's finding a way to confront Wallace. Wallace in his old age, probably not long to live. In fact, he's going to confront Wallace on the very day that Wallace is going to do an interview in 1902 with the Indianapolis world. In fact, he's going to walk right into the middle of the interview, Billy is. And uh, yeah, it was just great fun uh, doing that. So I, I hope you read it. I hope you uh, buy the book and read it. Uh, but um, there you go. Uh, by the way, uh, pardon, exemption from prosecution, leniency, etc. Leniency means we'll go easy on you. You may not get off, but that's what she said. But you, um, but you won't get the full sentence. Exemption from prosecution means you won't be prosecuted for this crime. It still may be on your record that you were, uh, you were charged with it, but but you won't be prosecuted. A pardon can only be delivered for a crime that you've been indicted for. So if a pardon was in the offing, what would have had to, what had to have happened is that Billy is convicted in Messiah and then Wallace pardons him. That's the only way it could work. Wallace could not pardon him in advance because you would issue a pardon for a, a crime that uh, was not committed legally if he was found innocent. Um, and there certainly was plenty of time between the time Billy left Messiah and got to Lincoln and was imprisoned in Lincoln. So if Wallace wanted to do that, he could. By the way, if you want to understand more about the pardon for Billy and Pat Garrett and Lou Wallace's part in it, I've also written that into Bonnie and Teeb's The Lost Years. Um, is some eye-opening stuff there. And again, this is a fictional book series, so I'm not portraying this as history, uh, but uh, but that's that happens. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting, very interesting, what Billy learns about a pardon and Wallace's part and Pat Garrett's. So I think you would really enjoy this one. It really does dig into the history. But anyway, yeah, so 
So Garrett probably would have been the one to read the pardon to the kid if one existed. Right? He'd get it from the governor. He would uh, say, hey, here you go. I've, I got this from the governor. You're free to go. And you're that's it. Of course, that never happened. But it is a fine point to understand the three things that could have happened, um, none of which did. There was definitely no leniency because Billy was sentenced to death. Uh, there was no exemption from prosecution. Uh, that there's nothing that Wallace got involved in. The only reason that the kid wasn't prosecuted for the murder of Buckshot Roberts was because of that jurisdictional issue. And I'm quite sure that if they really wanted the kid, and they did, that if he was found innocent of killing Brady, they would have just refiled a territorial charge because Blazers Mills was private land, not federal. They would have just filed a territorial charge, kept him in jail, and then brought him back up in front of the court. I don't, that would have been a lot harder one to prove, probably. Um, you know, Blazers Mills, the, the, the uh, witnesses were the regulators in Buckshot Roberts. And whereas in Lincoln, there were people around. I mean, you had real witnesses, people that could say what they saw. So they may have determined he's not getting out of here without a death sentence. There's just no way. And they just utilized, they probably had three, uh, three bullets they could fire. The first one was the ter- the federal charge on Roberts. Second one, territorial charge on Brady. And then a third one would have been a refiled territorial charge on Roberts. And they probably figured we're going to get him with one of these. And uh, you know, as far as the territory was concerned, they only had to go two bullets deep. So... There you go. What did, what do you think Governor Wallace promised Billy? Do you think he was wrong in not doing really anything for him? Or do you think that Billy really pushed his hand and by continuing, leaving Lincoln, while he was technically still under arrest and going back to his life of kind of petty crime, do you think that he forced Wallace's hand and, uh, and made it impossible for the governor to pardon him? I'd like to know if you'd like to uh, tell me, <laughs> uh, you can uh, email the show, Billy the Kid Rides again at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at BTK Rides. Uh, if you're watching slash listening on YouTube, which many of you do, you can just leave a note in the comments. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would be wonderful for me. Uh, if you do that, go to mankindpro.com and pick up Bonnie and Teeb's The Lost Years. Learn about the pardon. Learn about Wallace's letter, learn about the showdown between Billy Bonney and Governor Wallace in the middle of his interview in the Indianapolis world. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting and great fun. Uh, oh, and there's a little bit of a showdown between Billy and Pat Garrett. That doesn't end the way you think it would, by the way. So that's, uh, that's one of my favorites. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> be on the lookout for the final trial of Billy the Kid. I don't know the exact release date, working on that, but when I know, you'll know, and uh, it will be online. We will have a premiere uh, right now working on a location for a theatrical premiere, probably in Texas, maybe in Fort Worth. Um, A couple of our actors are from that area, and uh, it's close enough where some of the other folks can travel in, but we'll, we'll see. 
And uh, but it will be on the film will be available on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, etc. Uh, on our premiere date, you'll be able to go there and and check it out. So thanks for that. Uh, until next time, I'm out of here. Have a good night, day, afternoon, whatever. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.